Bedrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. 27 years of waiting have built on end. The Giants have won the pennant. All right, Brad, we are back. People who are listening to us in their RSS feeds, whatever podcast reader that you use, you may have heard a show that we did over the weekend. Unfortunately, we didn't put it up for the YouTube folks. So uh, if you do listen to us on YouTube, uh, you may want to jump on and look for us on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever you listen to, to uh, podcasts with because we did a show on Locker Room. So Brad and I downloaded the iPhone app Locker Room, though it's not like we didn't have troubles getting there. Uh, We invited our buddy Ash Day, and he was kind of like right at the last minute, figured it out, was able to jump on. But uh, but yeah, what did you think about that Locker Room experience? It sort of reminded me of like real live radio. Yeah, I had, um, you know, going into it, I was a little nervous because it's been a long time. You, you know, we used to host uh, Sports Weekly on KSJS back in the day. And uh, that was always fun. You know, you had this whole thing lined up and, and back at KSJS. I mean, honestly, when you're doing live radio back then in the 90s, you don't know who's listening to you. You don't know how many people you have listening. You don't necessarily, in college radio, uh, rely on callers as much. Mm-hmm. So so this was a different experience. I went into it a little bit nervous, you know, not having any idea really what to expect. But once we got flowing, I mean, I'm talking two minutes in, you can see the people popping up, joining the broadcast, listening, and then they started typing questions and comments and then we let people in the room and to talk and everything and then it had this real awesome flow to it uh and i really enjoyed it afterwards i kind of had that rush like we just did kind of an off the cuff giants talk show and and i had a blast i I thought it was really fun so the podcast that does tremendous locker room listens is a podcast called light years and it's on the warriors And it's kind of like the fan reaction podcast, like the two guys who do it, uh, Andy Liu and uh, Samus Fandiari. I've met them in person. I've hung out with them. They came into my office and and hung out with us and watched some Warriors basketball before. But they what, what they excel in is they have like these very critical takes fan takes right no, nobody's a coach nobody's nobody's uh, works in a front office of any place but but they're they're smart fans and and the the thing that comes out in their shows is just the passion like you know the warriors are what they they've in in the uh, since 2015 they've won three titles and been to five nba finals but these guys are like off with Steve Kerr's head. He's screwing our team up right now, right? Like, which is, it's it's a hard take considering you know what Steve Kerr uh, has done as a coach. So we're not we're not going to get that far into it. Like, I, like if the if the Giants go on you know three game losing streak, it's not like you and I are going to go. Nope, Kapler's got to go. Like he's just not he's not the guy. You know, we thought he was the guy, but he's not the guy. Like it, like we're not going to get to that level. But you and I won't do that. Right. Twitter. Right. Well, Twitter. You're not- of course. But but that but that's what it is. Right. Their their podcast is very much uh, a reaction from Twitter. And so I think that's why it works, because the people who listen to them, uh, they sort of feel the same way. And, uh, you know, so so that's the kind of like I think locker room is great for that. For us, we'll use it here and there. This is our home. This is our main focus here. This podcast that we do every Monday night and put it out on Tuesday. We get a, we get to look at sort of a big picture take at the team and of the week and no one single loss is going to, you know, drive us to uh, lose sleep though. You know, if we get into September and they're a game and a half out of the wild card then maybe but so you know we'll use locker room in in a way that that sam and andy use locker room but uh it, it will it will be periodically we'll let people know we'll give people a heads up brad you were telling me that you may have some time while the giants uh, actually have a game and we, we may be able to set that up uh so yeah so we'll figure it out we'll have fun with it but i just want to say thank you to the folks who were on there i know you had one of your buddies who jumped on and listened to 
us. Um, Ash joined us uh, from uh, f- you know from the UK. He he was uh, it was I think it was like eight o'clock his time and noon our time. But he jumped on. Uh, we had my buddy Jeremy who listens to this show every once and again, and then uh, uh, an actual uh, another podcaster jumped on Ben Caspic. Ka- I've never met Ben before. But he is a former writer for like Rotographs or something. So he's very analytical. He hosts the Locked On podcast for the Giants. And so he was just like on Locker Room and he just got the notification and jumped in. So thanks to Ben for hanging out. That was fun to bring somebody in who you and I didn't even know. We had never yeah. met before. And, you know, he was listening to the thing. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so the other thing about, about that is since we talked about the first two games of the season, we went quite in depth, about as in depth as you can go into two single games to start the season. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about it, we spent an hour, about a half hour per game. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good wrap up per game, I, I thought. I mean, and, and there was... We're so hungry for baseball right now. And then, and then you know, this whole schedule, the way it works, this opening weekend schedule where the Giants play uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then have Sunday off. Yeah. Uh, and then they'll never have another Sunday off the rest of the season. But why is it the first week? Why can't you just play a four-game series up in Seattle? They're only going from Seattle to San Diego. They're not going across country, but, you know, maybe some of the players giants players want to celebrate easter this is true i don't i yeah i should have thought of that (laughs) what what i really like about coming up uh uh, like you said we're gonna have some time to hop in during a live game Mm -hmm. we'll hop on when the game starts i think what what everybody's really missed and i know you especially because you went to a lot of games what everybody has really missed the last year or so is going to the games and sitting with other fans and watching the game and then you hear a comment two rows behind you and you turn around and give a thumbs up you go mm-hmm. yeah exactly he shouldn't have done that or you know bad move by kapler or great move by kapler i think we missed that so i think locker room can actually give us a little bit of that back which which is what i'm kind of looking forward to a little a communal a giants communal thing while you're watching a game yes if you missed the first one download locker room on your iphone i'm assuming it's coming to the android phone as soon as possible spotify just bought locker room so they're i'm sure they're going to invest in it and uh what that also means though is we're not going to talk about the first two games on this show because we just did on the locker room show. So you, if you haven't listened back and you want to listen to us talk about those two games, we went quite in depth on both those games. We'll talk about game three here, which was, you know, the, the most boring of the three games to talk about. Uh, I When I was kind of catching up on it, you know, I was kind of in and out, following mostly through Twitter. And I just was, I was like kind of looking at the offense because... You know, this team, if you go back to last year, so in the 60 games that they played last year, I think they got shut out maybe twice. And, and so, you know, when we're looking at the players and we're looking at the the hitters in this lineup, getting shut out by or flexed on by flexing, that, that was not what I thought was going to happen. And nothing against him. He, he actually had a really good year last year. But... I was very surprised that they didn't score any runs. And so we'll look at the positives and the negatives of the game. There wasn't too many positives. But one of the negatives that I mentioned on the last show, the locker room show, the only real negative of that game, this game two where they won, was that they struck out 10 times. Like, that's really the only thing that you can actually point to and say, oh, yeah, you know, they, they, they need to clean that up a little bit. And in this game, they got shut out 4-0. They struck out 12 times. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's, you know, those were too, it's too early in the season to be a cause for concern. But, you know, Brandon Belt and Austin Slater go 0 for 7 combined with six strikeouts. And that is, you know, I, I don't, Belt was near the uh, the upper part of the order. And I know Austin, he didn't hit leadoff. He probably hit like seventh or something. But, uh, yeah, it was actually uh, not a uh, not a great game for those guys. So I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. 
we'll have to we'll have to check in on the we'll, maybe we have like a strikeout counter or oh, something for the no. game so that's no i don't want to see that <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know like like ben had mentioned too on saturday and this team and you mentioned this team is 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 really kind of uh you know uh, stressing the time of possession that's the you know Get up to the plate, work your counts, have a great long at bat, get on base. Win that time of possession. Win that time of possession. And I mean, when you strike out, yeah, I mean, you could could have a four, five, six pitch at bat and strike out. But then the end result kind of takes away from that time of possession. It's like a football team holding the ball for eight and a half minutes, getting all the way down and then missing a field goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, cool. You took eight minutes off the clock, but you did absolutely nothing with it. So, and that's kind of what happened to the giants on, uh, on Saturday. I keep wanting to say Sunday because I, it's going to throw me off, <laughs> you know, this whole not playing on Sunday. Um, but yeah, this team and, and they struggled against a righty. So, and they scored a lot of runs against a lefty, uh, two lefties on, on Thursday and Friday. So coming up, and we'll talk about it later, but coming up in the San Diego series, we'll kind of see if that holds. Is this going to be a lineup that struggles against righties? I personally don't think so because this is the same lineup that, like you said, only got shut out one time last year, was it? I think it was twice. Twice last year. So this is not a team that does not hit. Uh, this is virtually... The same team as last year. Um, you throw in Listella, uh, you know, a couple other guys, and and so when you look at this lineup, you just you just say, well, this lineup can hit, and they can hit righties. You've got Crawford, you've got Belt, you've got Listella. Um, so and you've got Dickerson and these guys are power hitters. These guys can put the ball in play, uh, do different things. So we're not going to get shut out very often. But to see that in the third game of the series and I cracked on flexing on locker room on 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 uh, Saturday when we did the show in the morning because uh, I, I was like, yeah, this guy doesn't have much experience. The Giants are looking to win the series. They've got Webb on the mound. Everything's going to kind of work out that way. And the guy comes out there and looks like a Cy Young Award winner in mm-hmm. his five innings gives up four hits walks two and strikes out six and then uh is it kendall graveman i believe right comes in two innings five strikeouts doesn't give up a hit i mean just mows through the lineup but uh again i don't think you're gonna see this very often this season uh but it it, it was disheartening 10 strikeouts the night before and then 12 strikeouts the next day that's that b craw missed a breaking ball by about as much as you can miss uh, a, a pitch uh, from a big league hitter, he was out in front of it and he swung so far over the top of it. I almost wondered if he like saw two baseballs coming at him. <laughs> That's quite possible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the weather is not conducive up in Seattle to, you know, mashing the ball anyways, but the Giants are not necessarily a towering home run type of team. They do put the ball in play and they get on base. Uh, and and they did scatter six hits. They did only walk twice. So, you know, you get into some different positions like that and you get a key hit. I think there was one inning where they had two runners on and, and Ruff was at the plate. Um, just didn't have a very good at bat and uh, ended up leaving those two runners on. Uh, and that's a position where you've got a, a home run hitter up. But again, in that ballpark this early in the year in April, I mean, Seattle's just humid or humid and, and heavy. It's not that it's not that light humidity. It's that it's that heavy humidity with that cold weather. So you're not going to get a lot of home runs. Um, but they did the first couple of games, but just just quiet on Saturday. Logan Webb, we talked about him on the locker room show about how spring training can often be a little bit of, I don't know, a false alarm, I guess you you could say. Um, And, you know, it's quite possible that it is for him, but there was enough crazy stuff that he was doing in spring training to where you're like, hmm, you know, you don't. You know, once or twice out there in spring training, yeah, 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 it could be, it could be a little bit of luck or whatever. But to do it as often as he did made you think that coming into the season, you know, as a three guy, you know, I think we thought he was probably going to be the five guy until he had that spring training. Comes in as a three guy, and this was a perfect opportunity for him 
to show his stuff because it's not like Seattle is the second coming of the 27 Yankees. <laughs> you know, they have a, they have a couple of guys, you know, I know uh, Hannigan went deep and I forgot who else went deep, but this should have been an opportunity for him to kind of replicate what he was doing in spring training, 10 base runners in five and a third. He's going to get another shot in the Colorado series, which will be at home. So he won't have to try and do that uh, in Colorado, but a little bit of a bloom off the rose for Logan Webb. I think he'll have a, he'll have a chance to bounce back, but I think people were kind of waiting for him to show what he really was in game one. And I would say most giants fans were like, "Uh, okay, that's kind of what we thought he was before spring training. Well, and you're right. And, and, and you make a do, you do make a really good point because coming out of spring training, you get that false sense of security. You're like, Hey, man, I mean, it was awesome. Strikeout ratio was insane in spring. Then his first start is on a nice, cool evening in Seattle against basically a triple A lineup for the most part. I mean, JP Crawford, a certified major leaguer, uh, Kyle Seeger, certified major leaguer. The rest of the guys are just kind of getting their feet under them. Mitch Hanniger, uh, another one. I mean, he had a bomb on Saturday off <laughs> of uh, Reyes Maranta. That was disgusting. Uh, we'll talk about to, Maranta in a second because oh, I want to hear yeah, your thoughts on him too. Maranta left that one right up around the letters. I was like, oh my God. Uh, but, but, you know, so, so he goes up against this this AAA-ish lineup. And, and stop me if you've heard this one before, but the Seattle Mariners could be a surprising young team this year. <laughs> Have you heard that one before? <laughs> Probably every year going to back about like 15 years now. Yeah. So uh, is this their year to make a little noise and be a, a 500 ball club? Who knows? It's the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. Uh, they could turn over this lineup in three weeks, probably. Um, but yeah, so... I would like to see what he does in his second outing. Webb is right in that range of his 5.0 ERA (laughs) that he's had his entire career. So there's nothing to get super excited about yet. He did walk three. If you notice his hardest hits in the ball game, it was that nasty changeup that Casale has been, you know, preaching about in spring training that that the coaching staff has been wanting him to throw more and that's what gave him that awesome spring. And 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 when it was hard hit when he when he was hard hit on Saturday, it was that changeup that was left up above the knees. That changeup needs to hit the bottom of the zone and drop out. Well, it was hitting the middle of the zone and dropping to right above the knees and guys were just absolutely crushing it because you're looking at 84, 85 miles an hour and those are going to get hit hard. So it's just a matter of getting that ball down. And once he does, and again, his first start of the year, it counted. He was excited. So I give him a little bit there. So that game against Colorado in San Francisco is going to be really exciting to see if he fixed that. Yeah, you mentioned that you know the changeup. Uh, Taylor Trammell, that he he hit the double off of that changeup. He was able to kind of sit back and just drive that thing. And that wasn't really one of his worst pitched uh, changeups that night. That one actually kind of uh, Trammell is a, a left-hander, and that one kind of ducked out and just hit the bottom right corner of the zone. And, uh, but he was able to, like I said, he waited on it and just drove it. And, uh, but, but if you get it up that high, I mean, if you, you take that down two inches and it's probably a ground ball out, right. Or, or a swing and a miss because it's going to duck just out of the zone. It's going to look like it's in the zone. Then it's going to pop right out. So he just needs to fix that, get that down a little bit. And, and, uh, you know, he was pitching to Casale and Casale one of the guys who, who raved about it, who's been catching him, uh, a lot of the spring. So maybe his next start is with Buster and we'll kind of see where we go from there. So Maranta, uh, I mentioned him, he did give up the home run. I looked, uh, into his, uh, the play by play on ESPN. They had him hitting 95 on the gun once, which I think is a good thing for him. Uh, he, I, I think he probably can throw a, a, just a tick harder than that, but 95 is, is really good. Uh, but he gave up the home run, like you said, uh, left it fat, got crushed. But he had kind of been on our radar during spring training. You know, what is he going to be this year? It, does he have a chance to pitch late innings? He he pitched seventh inning here. What did you think of Maranta? And how do you think that they will use him this year? 
Yeah, I think they're just building him up. Jake McGee is your closer uh, right now. Uh, Reyes Maranta can take some of those saves away. Uh, he was touted as the closer uh, pretty much all offseason. They kept throwing his name out there after the surgery last year. Uh, just needs to continue to get that velocity up. And I think he will. It was just a mistake pitch. Uh, you do make mistake pitches. A guy like Hanniger, who has a ridiculous amount of power, he's going to capitalize on that and he did so i mean he's got one total inning pitch this season because i believe let me me look at the numbers here real quick oh no so that was his only i thought he came into one of the other games and, and, and got an out um Thursday or Friday, but it looked like his only outing of this entire season was on Saturday and just the one mistake pitch. Other than that, the velocity at 95 is is good. He was throwing. What was he throwing before the surgery? Like 97, 90. Yeah, I think it was it was the upper 90s for sure. Yeah. So he'll work the strength back up um, and he'll be he'll be a very important part of, of the back end of the bullpen. Um I don't know about you, but Tyler Rogers still makes me nervous. <laughs> I just, I, the submarine is is nice, but that's another one that has that chance to just float up into the zone. Oh, yeah. And if it does, you're going to tag that thing because, again, you're talking you know low to mid-80s, if even that. Uh, so, so having Maranta on the back end to kind of clean up a hold situation, uh, I'd, I'd rather see Reyes Maranta there than, than Tyler Rogers. I'd rather see Rogers in the seventh uh, come in after somebody's throwing you know, 97, 98, 99. Yeah, like after Gossman, maybe. Yeah, after Gossman or after, after Berger. I mean, have Berger come in and then, uh, uh-oh, we got two runners on and and two outs. All right, float some out there and see if you can get somebody, you know, you got a base to play with, see if you can get somebody to, you know, get off their heels on you. You know, better yet, bring in Tyler Rogers after somebody throws two 90 mile an hour fastballs <laughs> <laughs> right in the middle of a bed. No, you can't do that. Or, if- <laughs> or like, uh, I used to watch the, the old ESPN videos. Um, there was, a, I think, I forget the game, but. Somebody, uh, I think it's the Reds were playing. It may have been in the playoffs, and uh, they get an O two count on the hitter, and then they throw three wide ones, and they're they're the catcher standing out there going like, okay, I may, may, maybe like maybe the the runner advanced, so there was all of a sudden open base, and they had, they went from O two, they do three wide ones and then they come right back door <laughs> strike three <laughs> like maybe they have tyler rogers do that you're like oh you know we're, we're gonna he's gonna throw some some uh, some really slow ones and then all of a sudden he comes back door you know some wacky kent to colby looking pitch and gets <laughs> I, a surprise. i would love to see him do that submarine a couple of pitches and then kind of get you off balance and just come over the top come overhand <laughs> come overhand and see what happens yeah. i'm sure I, I wonder when the last time he actually threw like an overhand pitch but but that would be interesting to see we're talking about shohei otani this week everybody's talking about him how he got in the game last night was the starting pitcher and also batted number two they didn't use the dh last night the angels the first time since 1903 somebody's done that um where the pitcher has been the starting pitcher and batted in the first inning of the game uh so so mix things up you know can can tyler rogers throw some submarines and then come over the top i mean the game's changing so that would be interesting but I so otani throws 100 mile 101 miles an hour hits a jack and then looks like he's never covered home plate in his life. <laughs> yeah, that that was real, that was like a rec league softball. Like I'm gonna come in and cover the plate. How do I cover it with two feet standing on home plate? Is a guy's coming barreling in? No, you don't do that, Shohei. You get off the plate, take the throw, and then turn around and make the tag. Yeah, that so was that funny. was rough. Poor guy. Um, all right, so there there were a couple of positives that I found uh, in the box score. Uh, Solano keeps hitting. You got another two hits, um, two for four. Uh, I think he's hitting 500 for the season or something like he that is, so yeah. far out of three games. Seven, seven for 14. And uh, the other one was it was nice to see Whistler bounce back after his Thursday game where he didn't get an out. And uh, he came back uh, on Saturday and he got two outs and he looked much better. Yeah, I like that. I called that one Whistler's Revenge because, mm-hmm. <clears throat> God, he was that first night, the Thursday night when he came in and, and 
I mean, all he does is throw uh, uh, sliders. I mean, that that's what he's known for. I think, uh, what is it, like 90-something percent of his pitches yeah. are, are sliders. Um, I might have a note here or something on that. I, I mean, I, I can't find it right now. But, but yeah, he's up in the like upper 80s to low 90 percent of, uh, uh, percent of his pitches are sliders. But then when he came in on Thursday night again, cold night, maybe hard to get a grip on the ball. First game of the season, first appearance, and that slider was kind of all over the place. It was up, down, outside. It, it was everywhere. But, yeah, I mean, he comes in Saturday, two-thirds of an inning, gets those two strikeouts. Nice to see because the Giants are going to need, you know, pretty much everybody they have in the bullpen right now, they're going to need them to be steady for a while. Uh, it's early in the season. Your starters aren't going to go very long, so you're going to need these guys to kind of pop in. Unless you're Cueto and you're, you know, lobbying to throw 200 pitches a game. It's, he's, he's lobbying with Kapler to be in there basically as long as he possibly can, uh, which is always awesome to see. You love to see your guy out there. Just you know, You're not taking the ball from me. I'm staying out here. So one thing that we want to do this year, after every week, because you know we're, we're back early in the week, we're going to be back for the majority of the Monday games before the Monday game even plays. So the Giants are set to play the Padres tonight, and we won't have anything on that game because we're, we're a little early for it. But we're going to look back, and we want to name a Giants player of the week. And we'll, we'll tabulate all of those. We'll, we'll, I'll probably put a spreadsheet together or something. And uh, we'll have whoever gets the most players of the week from us, we'll have a Thompson to Clark player of the year at the end of the year. So I, you and I talked about this before the show started, and I think we both agreed we got to give it to old man Posey. And, and I mentioned when you called him an old man on the podcast on, on Saturday that it hurt my feelings because <laughs> I remember when he came up and like, it was, you know, it was, it was not that long ago. So, uh, so yeah, we're going we're gonna to give it to old man Posey. Two jacks in the first two games of the year after being off all of 2020. So Buster Posey is our player of the week for the first week of the season 2021. Yeah, I think that's well-deserved. We did talk about it. And yeah, I mean, we're all old guys now. I mean, that's kind of <laughs> what it comes down to. We're just a bunch of old men. I had a hard time. Today's Monday. You know, I had a hard time just getting out of bed. I don't know why. Nobody knows why. Well, it's because you, you went on some crazy hikes over the weekend. That's I, I did one hike for about three miles. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I appreciate the excuse you're laying out there for me, but it's not, it's not going to work. Um, but yeah, we talked about it. We threw out, what about Evan Longoria? You know, old man, four yeah. for 11 this week, two bombs, four RBI. And then we're like, well, I mean, then there's Donovan Solano, the mm-hmm. obvious choice, seven for 14, set up, uh, you know, the, the, the one win. He just, you know mashed the ball, drove in two runs. He did strike out four times in the first couple of games here, which he only had three in the entire spring. So let's, and and we talked about the strikeout woes already. Uh, Austin Slater is one for 12 with seven strikeouts. Isn't the one a bomb though? (laughs) Yeah, the the one is a bomb. (laughs) It, It is a bomb. Solo shot. It is a bomb, but Again, tonight, he's batting leadoff. I don't want to see my leadoff hitter going one for 12 with seven strikeouts yeah, that, yeah. and one walk and one solo home run. Uh, but yeah, so we could have given it to Solano. Gossman, too. Gossman. Gossman fan, yeah, yeah, I think Gossman. Absolutely definitely. fantastic. Um, but this week, you got to go with Buster Posey because he, t- he had the whole year off last year, took it off for a, a, you know just such, a, such an awesome way to be able to do it. Unfortunately, with COVID happening, uh, people getting sick and everything else, he was able to take a 60 games off and, and be at home with his, his new family. Uh, and I thought that was great. I, I'm all for that. Uh, family first, uh, you know, as I always try to say. And uh, for him to come back and hit a solo home run in each of the first two games, I mean, we just all lit up Twitter, Giants Twitter lit up. It was just, it's so fantastic to see. So he definitely gets it this week. And uh, looking forward to it next week, one guy who can be in line for it, and we'll keep an eye on him, is uh, Anthony Desclafani has two starts next week. So that's kind of your early front runner. If he could have two really nice performances, he could be uh, in the running for player of the week next week. Okay, so uh, just want to let folks know, uh, head out to Twitter 
at Thompson, the number two and Clark. Brad has been uh, a machine during these games when he's able to watch live. Though I will say that we're not always able to watch live. Yeah, if I'm not doing laundry or something. <laughs> no, if but, I'm doing laundry, I'm still watching the phone next to me. So, <laughs> But yeah, Brad's Brad's been uh, doing the Twitter thing. He's also uh, been doing some stuff on Instagram. So same, same at handle. I'm focusing a little bit more on our Facebook group. Also, same handle. So if you want to hit us up on our social media, definitely check us out. We're always looking for more fans to come through and hang out with us on our social media. So before we get to the rest of this week, I uh, want to ask you what you are drinking. And I'm already done, by the way. So. <laughs> We got to get to that earlier, I guess. Um, I, I'm not done because it's a 16 ounce beer. I, I like the big, tall 16 ounce uh, cans of beer because uh, if you go to if you go to a restaurant, especially a brewery, if you go to a brewery and you ask for a beer, you're going to get a 16 ounce pool. That that's what you're going to get. You're not going to get a 12 ounce can of beer or 12 ounce bottle. You're going to get a nice 16 ounce pool in a pint glass. So I like to buy the one pint uh, cans. This is a local brewery. I've talked about them before. They are here in uh, Reno and Sparks, and they're fantastic. Lead Dog Brewing, uh, really coming into their own, just brewing all kinds of cool stuff. This one's called Left for Red. Uh, it's a Left for Red ale, as in like Left for Dead. The artwork on it is cool. It's as if you're in a grave looking up, and there's two people. Uh, pouring dirt on you. So that's always fun, especially when you're an old guy like me. Um, but, but this, this one's really tasty, nice malty. It's got some sweetness to it. I'm really into reds right now. I kind of go back and forth. Uh, it's that time of year though. I like the warmer reds. It's a, a little sweet, a little malty, uh, very malty, not a, not huge hops in it. Um, but it's good. It's a nice sipper and, uh, I'm only about halfway through, so I'm going to catch up. All right. I pulled up some information on the bourbon that I bought from uh, BevMo the other day. It was my wife's birthday and she wanted her favorite wine. So I went to BevMo. And of course, it just gives me an excuse to buy some bourbon or some whiskey. And so I did. It is made by uh, the brand is called Hirsch. It's the Horizon Straight Bourbon Whiskey. I guess they are a San Francisco uh, spirits company. And uh, I guess the, the company is called Hoteling and Company, uh, named after a San Francisco spirits pioneer from the 1800s. The company that bears his name started as the distilling arm of Anchor Steam Brewery. Hmm. So old, uh, th- uh, what's his name? Fitz Maytag. Oh. Was the uh, owner and founder of Anchor Steam Brewing Company. There you go. There you go. Um, so, uh, tasting notes. This stuff doesn't really mean a whole lot to me because, like I said, my sense of taste and my sense of smell is is not strong. But for those who like to hear stuff like this, the appearance color is deep amber. The nose aroma and smell is southern picnic. <laughs> Notes of sweet cornbread, honeyed biscuits, spice cake, and vanilla. The flavor profile is well-balanced with just enough rye spice with caramel, cinnamon, and toasted oak. And the finish is nice and long with a lingering warmth. Okay, so that's this is why I read this, is because the lingering warmth is what I really like. Now, I've had some uh, whiskeys that were so heated... <laughs> that I had to sip them for like an hour or else I was going to die. Like he, he, heated as in alcohol. Like, right. Like right. this is packed. This is it, not a 50 percent or this is like a 90 percent. Right. feels like it. Yeah. They, they didn't throw it in the microwave. <laughs> it was the, I don't know. I don't even, well, what do they call it? Is the, is the, I mean, it's, is it the, um, the alcohol percentage index, but what, what makes it, heated is that is that what makes it heated you know it's usually that uh it's usually the the alcohol content um a lot of bourbons that i have i like uh, like wild turkey 101 that's uh they call it 101 because it's 101 proof it's 50 basically about 50.5 percent alcohol mm-hmm. um, when you start to get 
a little bit higher than that, then yes, it is very heated. I mean, you take a mouthful and you're like, ooh, goes down the throat, really warms the gullet as it goes down. You can feel it warm the stomach as it hits it. Oh my God. And those are, yeah, those are sippers. You just kind of want it. That's when I usually put like an ice cube or two Mm -hmm. for sure in it because I like to mellow it out a little bit. I don't want to, uh, you know, not enjoy it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and say, I'm not going to drink that again. But yeah, it's usually the alcohol content. I was at a bar before I was, I was going to see a movie. I don't remember what the movie was. This was probably about three or four years ago, but I was at this bar in Campbell, California at the prune yard, the famous prune yard. Oh yeah. And, uh, so I, I went to the bar, uh, I was, I don't know, it was like a half an hour early for the movie. And I was like, oh, I'll just hang out here, get a quick drink and then head over to the movie. And so she talks me into taking this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, heated, uh, you know, I, I don't even remember how she sold this to me, but she was just like, oh, you know, we have this special on X. And I was like, oh, sounds cool. She's like, just to let you know, it's a little heated. And, you know, to me, that was like a dare. I was like, <laughs> oh, so if I say no, then I'm a little bit of a weenie here. <laughs> And so I was like, okay, now she's daring me. I have to get it. Not to say that I regretted it. It just took me the entire half an hour to finish it because it was so heated. Um, But I I loved the experience because I was like, wow, like this is a much different experience than I've ever had, you know, drinking something. Because usually I just I just drink it really fast and, you know, I don't really have any issue. But this one made me stop and taste and sweat. So I I always think of that time when I when I think of anything that's that's uh, heated like that. And and those really I mean, I enjoy that because I like to, you know, especially, all right, those types of drinks you're going to pay a lot for. Yeah. Usually. So I enjoy those because you get your money's worth Mm -hmm. and I don't have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I poured a bourbon last night. It was, uh, the depot, which is our local one, another local brewery, but they distill their own stuff. It was very strong. It was pretty heated. And I poured the regular old two ounce pour and it probably took me a good half hour to drink it just because, you know, all right, I'm going to take little, little sips and get through this and really, really enjoy it. So you get your money's worth. I like that. All right. Last part of the podcast, we're just going to quickly preview the two series for the Giants. Uh, they, uh, as we are talking about an hour until game one against the Padres. So the Padres started the season three and one, they beat the Diamondbacks, uh, game one. They just killed Bumgarner, poor Bumgarner. Uh, they actually, the D-backs snuck out game four and even in them sneaking out game four, Fernando Tatis didn't just let them enjoy a nice shutout over a really good team. He decided to hit one 465 feet in the ninth inning. <laughs> so even even when they're losing, they're kind of winning. Yeah. Uh, Blake Snell, who threw, I think it was game two. I think you Darvish threw game one. Blake Snell threw, he didn't even get to the fifth inning. They they I think they had him on a, a little bit of a pitch count. Eight strikeouts in like four and two-thirds innings. So, uh, you know, National League hitters are going to have to see him for the first time around and, you know, sort of figure him out. They haven't seen him because he's been in the American League. And uh, our old friend, actually, I wouldn't really call him a friend, Mark Melanson, <laughs> With two saves for the Padres, kind of sitting low 90s. I'm not, I'm not sure if he's really going to be the guy for them, but he did pick up the two saves. Uh, what did you think about the Padres start to the season? Three and one. Yeah, I mean, pretty much what we thought they were going to do. Uh, they're tied with the Dodgers for first place, both teams three and one. You know, the big key is the the Padres aren't necessarily mashing the ball so much at Not this yet. point. Yeah. It's early. But you know what they're doing? They're getting on base. They walked 23 times in that four-game series against Arizona. I mean, that's either patience or that's Arizona pitching. Yeah, it's probably that some be, of both. <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah. And when you look at some of the guys here, uh, Will Myers, Tommy Pham, and, and Jake Cronenworth have walked four times each in four games. Um, if you walk once a game, that's nice. You're on base a lot, you know, so that's, that's a good thing. Uh, so, you know, looking at the, the pitching matchups going forward though, 
So the Giants, of course, as everybody knows, we have no left-handed starters. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be Desclafani tonight, Sanchez tomorrow, Gosman on Wednesday, three right-handers. Now, when you look at the Padres lineup, they've got really Hosmer and Cronenworth are a couple of lefties. Um, and then you've got Profar and Caratini, their catcher. And those guys are switch hitters uh, who, who actually hit better against righties over their career. But I mean, you know, Profar is a 234 hitter against righties. That's better than he is against lefties, but his OPS is only 722, and Caratini as well, switch hitter, and he hits better against righties. So uh, they don't have a left-handed heavy lineup, so to speak, but when you guys, when, when you have guys like Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, Will Myers, uh, I mean, and, and then you've got the Eric Hosmers uh, of the world who are left-handers. They're just going to crush right-handed pitching anyways. It's it's not necessarily going to be a matchup thing. So I think the Giants starting pitching really has to be on it. They've got to attack the strike zone. They've got to stay away from getting Padres on base. Because if you get any of these guys on base, you've got a really potent lineup to deal with up and down. So you got to keep them off the bases. You got to, you, you can't have, you know, 23 walks in four games. You just can't have that against this lineup. It looks like the Padres have thrown out a few different lineups this year. Uh, I've seen Tatis hit and lead off a couple times. Fam was hitting third and then they switched him to four and then Machado was hitting second and then he's hitting third. So they're, playing with lineups and it doesn't even look like it's dependent on uh, right or left. It's just uh, I, I've seen, you know, with Bumgarner, the lineup was different from the uh, the other lefty that the that the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks threw out. So we'll so I wonder what I wonder. I mean, if I'm like a Giants pitcher and I see tattoos, Tatis and Machado one, two, I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's a hell of a way to start a ball game. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, so we'll see what they do with the lineup there. Uh, and, you know, this is this is an opportunity for the Giants to kind of rate themselves, to see where they stand. Uh, you disagreed with this, but uh, in the athletics, um, the athletics uh, power rankings, they had the Padres right behind the Dodgers, number two. So in front of any other team, American or National League, they have the, the Dodgers and Padres one, two. So this is this is a, what a playoff team is going to look like in 2021, and we'll see the Giants. It's early, but you know this is an opportunity for them to test themselves and to see where they rank as a team against one of the better teams in the league. Well, and you Darvish pitches in the middle of the series, so you're going to get Morahone tonight. They're fit num number five starter, um, and then we go back to one and two. You go to Darvish and Snell, uh, so you go lefty, righty, lefty. So the Giants will get another chance against a right-hander who they just completely faltered against on Saturday. And you Darvish got, I think, the second or third time through the lineup uh, on opening day and then gave up three home runs in the fifth inning. So he does leave the ball up. Uh, he had a fantastic season last year. Was in the, I, I don't know if he won the Cy Young last year, if he was in the running. I know he was in the running for it. I, I can't remember, honestly, if he won it or not. Um, but the fact that he is that caliber of a pitcher, he can be on. So if you're struggling against righties, he can make your 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 life a, a living hell through that lineup multiple times. Um, but you can't get to him. You can wait for him to lead that ball up and you can crush it. Um, and the Giants have shown they can hit left-handers no problem this season so far. Uh, and and so we'll see what they do on Wednesday against uh, uh, Blake Snell. So it's, it's going to be a fun series. I don't know how many times we're going to say this this season. Uh, hopefully it's, it's more than uh, like June. Hopefully it's past June, but this is a, a huge test for the Giants. This is to, to, to see, can they compete? Can they be a 500 ball club? Can they make some noise in, in the West and make it tough for the Dodgers and the Padres going forward? I mean, we saw what they did against the Mariners. They went up there and, 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 and lost two out of three to a team that isn't really supposed to do a whole lot this season. So it's not really a great foothold to get started with. Uh, so this this is a really important three-game series for the Giants. 
Your buddy, by the way, was the uh, Cy Young Award winner, Trevor Bauer. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Because you Darvish was in the National League with the Cubs last year. The, the guy I really want to see, he's a pinch hitter for the Padres, because I want to see how they're going to pronounce his name. Because I'm going to tell you how I'm going to pronounce it. <laughs> and he's uh, played in four games and gotten one at bat in each game. And that is the pinch hitter. Uh, his name is Tucupita Mercano. <laughs> but here's the interesting thing. He's from Tucupita, Venezuela. Oh, wow. So I'm wondering if his parents just named him after the city, and it looks like they did. Tucupita Marcano. <laughs> wow. That so I'm excited a... to see him. I want to see how they... Oh, well, John Miller, right? We got to hear how John Miller says this. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> All right. So then after this series against Padres, the Rockies come to San Francisco. The Rockies lost three out of four to the Dodgers. They actually won game one, and then the Dodgers said... Mm-mm. <laughs> Buck stops here. Yeah, we're the Dodgers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they actually hit pretty well, but they could not keep up with the Dodgers uh, who who hit, just hit better than them. And so, you know, the Rockies are, they have, you know, they have Trevor Story. They lost uh, Arenado. Who knows what they're going to be? You would think, though, if the Giants consider themselves uh, somewhat of an underdog kind of, you know, if we if we are fi- if we are five hundred team, you know, plus or minus five games, we could kind of sneak into the wild card race. If they believe that that's who they are, they should fare pretty well against uh, this Rockies team, especially in San Francisco. Yeah, I, I think so, and I think they're going to have a better time against this Rockies club at home, like you said, versus going to Colorado. That's going to be the weird thing about Colorado. Everybody said, oh, uh, you know, over under 61 wins this year. It's Colorado. You can go into Colorado and you can beat these guys up for eight runs in the first three innings and they're going to come back because you're just going to hit home runs in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't matter what you do with your slider, your changeup, or it's going to stay up. It's just going to, and and then you're just going to get it crushed. Big ballpark, huge gaps. I mean, it's just, I can't even imagine (laughs) playing outfield in that yard because if if one gets by you, you're running forever. Um, But the Rockies, in that four-game series, we talked about walks with the uh, Padres. Here you've got, let's see, three... 10 walks in four games, the Rockies. Um, So they just weren't getting on base after that first game. Uh, Dodgers pitching is really tough, as we know. Uh, Bauer looked pretty good the other night. Uh, Still gave up some hits. All like in the sixth inning, right? Yeah, all in the sixth inning. He's known for giving up home runs. And so that was kind of a a shock that he didn't at least give up a couple of bombs there in Colorado. Because he can also leave the ball up. He can get a little cocky, get a little too confident, close an eye. Right, <laughs> close an eye and try to throw a strike, and I don't know. Um, so yeah, it's going to be tough. CJ Crone, the first baseman for the Rockies, predicted to be a thirty to forty home run guy. You got Charlie Blackman, who's still a stud. Um, uh, you know, you just got guys up and down that lineup that can be pretty tough. So we'll see how it goes. I, I, I think. If the Giants aren't shell-shocked after this Padres series, I think they're going to be riding high. And if they can ride high going into that uh, Rockies series at home with a home opener on Friday afternoon, um, you know, they could pull out of this week and and be in fairly decent position. Uh, You know, I'm not going to do math right now, but there there can be a couple games over 500 uh, if they, um, you know, if they play like they can play. All right. Last thing is, uh, what's the situation with the Nationals and uh, the COVID-19? Yeah. So we got so excited about all these new COVID-19 protocols, right? Going into the season. Oh, they're going to do this and contract tracing and and everything else is going to be fantastic. And we're going to keep guys masks on and we're going to find guys if they're not wearing masks and all these other great things that they talked about. We get to opening day. I'm watching MLB Network. And we're about a half hour from game starting, an hour from game starting. And they go, oh, the, uh, the entire Washington Nationals and New York Mets series is going to be canceled due to COVID. That's a three-game series 
starting on opening day, it's because four Nationals players tested positive. Then you had another, I think it's seven players after that, uh, who also tested positive and then two more clubhouse guys that not tested positive, but, but got in the contact tracing ring. So now they had to kind of separate everybody and say, well, we're not playing any games. And Mets finally got to play a game tonight. Uh, they're playing right now. DeGrom finally got his start. And the Nationals are going to start the season tomorrow on Tuesday with a doubleheader against the Braves because they also had to cancel today's game just to be safe. And it's looking like they're going to bring up some taxi squad guys. And I thought going into the season, we were going to have situations like that where you do your contact tracing. Maybe it'll take a day or two. You kind of run your 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 spider web of things throughout the the clubhouse to see who has it, who might not, who you know this and that. They were going to wear the uh, devices that they wear in football to see who they were near and everything else. It kind of seemed like it was a hodgepodge thrown together thing, like it was last season. It was very disappointing to see. It can happen. It's a virus. It's out of control still. Uh, but but still, I thought they had some better. Um, protocols put in place to deal with that. And it looks like as of right now, maybe they don't. So um, kind of buckle in and be prepared that we may see that more often. And we were bummed because in our NL only keeper auction, we went nuts on uh, Juan Soto and he has not played yet. Yeah. Should we? Well, we'll tell people I'm not embarrassed. We spent 70 bucks, <laughs> you know, and if you're familiar with fantasy baseball and um, if you're familiar with, uh, you know, auction leagues and stuff, 70 is not crazy if you're going for the basically the best player in baseball because it's a national league only um, league. So to pay 70 bucks for one so- Soto is not crazy because we got a couple of good keepers for like a buck each. We got AJ Pollock for a buck. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, yeah, we're a little disappointed we don't get to see him. Jan Gomes is our starting catcher for the Nationals. We haven't seen our catcher position is left empty, so we're waiting to kind of see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> we're still hey, right now. I think we're third place. Yeah, so yeah, you're always because you're on top of it. That's well, I don't. Yeah, luck. Uh, All right. So that'll be it for us from here. Uh, We will be back next week. And like I said, you know, follow us on the social media. If uh, locker room opportunity arises for us, we will share that with as many people as possible. And hopefully, you know, like we were able to promote it a little bit on last week's show. So nobody was surprised. But, you know, sometimes we may just do it after not even really knowing that we're going to do it. So just keep keep glued to those channels if you are on those social media. But for Brad, I am Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out. Peace.